belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for October 1st, 2023 is called Known Community. The teacher is John Ray and the location is the chapel at CUMC in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, welcome again, everybody. If you're listening on the podcast or watching on the live stream, my name is John Ray. This is Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas. New time, new place. Um, Over the past few weeks, the leadership team of the church has been engaged in our annual review and evaluation process. This is a time that we dedicate each year to take a deep dive into asking questions about how each of us is doing individually and how we are doing corporately together in our service of the church, also in our personal, emotional, spiritual lives, and our hopes and dreams for the coming coming year are all discussed. At the same time, Laura Holland sent out a really thoughtful article by a person who was leaving the ministry after 10 years, and his reflection on why he and so many others are doing so. If you weren't aware, there has been a tsunami wave of pastors and ministry leaders leaving the vocation in just this past few years. The article that she shared lists the various reasons for this. Many are familiar and common sense reasons. We don't need to go over all of those. But I took some time to reflect on each of the reasons and how they relate to me personally in my role and relationship to Grace Church. It was an enlightening and meaningful time to do that, a time of deeply considering the cost of being in full-time ministry. I sent out my evaluation to the, to the leadership team and my thoughts on this. But soon after I finished, I began thinking of a question that both our church evaluation and the article failed to ask. And that question is, why stay? Why keep doing something that is so fraught with emotional demands, chronic pressure, to perform far beyond capacity and to do it all for less pay than a person could make, providing the equal effort in any other industry, in any other job. Why stay? Well, for me, the simple answer starts with what we're looking at together as part of our known study. And that's y'all. It's community. And not just any community. This community, the Grace Church community. This is our first Sunday, obviously, meeting in this temporary location at this new time. For some of us, this is really exciting. And for and it's really challenging for others. For some people, it's a mix of both. For all of us, though, it's an invitation to both deepen and broaden our community. Sticking together through changes and challenges, celebrations and and experiments help deepen and form community. Moving to a new location in time gives us a chance to include people into the community otherwise excluded. But is it worth it? And what's so important about community anyway? And how do we cultivate the kind of community where everyone gets a chance to flourish? I think the why is kind of simple, honestly. 
It's because of love. It's because of the verse that I read when we started. Because to love one another is our highest calling. It's our ultimate goal. And we can't love those we don't know. Love cannot exist in isolation. Not just a passing knowledge either. Not superficial or just based on doing things we like together with people that like us. It's not the community of a football game where everybody's just cheering for a team. Although that's a great experience, a Taylor Swift concert or a, or a football game or, or a rally or something like that. Those are, those are great communal experiences, but that's not necessarily the community we're talking about. We're talking about something based on something more than just the mutual um, exhilaration of a moment with that. We all know that there are people that are easy for us to love. But we are called to love more than just them. And this is important because God's mission is more than the salvation of individuals. It is the formation of a people who participate with God in the reconciliation and the recreation of the world. That's a, that's a much bigger thing. It's this, it's this participation. N.T. Wright said it this way. He said, the New Testament sees the church as a microcosmos, a little world, not simply as an alternative to the present one, an escapist country cottage for those tired of city life, but as a prototype of what is to come when the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge and glory, with justice and peace and joy. Each ecclesia or church is a sign of that future reality. That, that takes community. You can't do that in isolation. It takes community to form that microcosmos, that little sign of what is to come. So that's the why. Honestly, I think it's pretty simple. But how do we do this? If community is so important, what is essential for us to practice? That's where it gets hard. That's where it gets difficult. That's where it takes effort and practice. And for those things, I'm going to suggest this afternoon that there are three essential items. And those are proximity, mutuality, and a new word I just made up, seasonsing. I know, right? I made up a word, Charlie. It's going to be awesome. Trust me. So, proximity. Let's start with proximity. If we were to if we were keep if we're to keep walking our current path out, we are going to come to include some people who really aren't like us. Look, Mount Sequoia was a great season, and in many ways it was kind of a mount, literal mountaintop experience. But but it took a certain type of person, only a certain type of person could access that up on the mountain. And, and I think it's more than symbolic that we've moved off the mountain onto Dixon Street as a start. Okay, because it is a very different community on Dixon Street than it is on Mount Sequoia with that. And if we keep walking this path, we're, we're going to see a change in who is attracted and who becomes part of this. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, one of my favorite professors, Dr. Mary Kate Morse, she said, spiritual formation is the continuing response to the reality of God's grace, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. 
through the work of the Holy Spirit in the community of faith for the glory of God and the sake of the world. And this community of faith, the more diverse it is, the more broad it is, and the more deeply those relationships go, the more that that formation allows for flourishing with that. But it takes work. It takes practice. Laura, again, she, she mentioned this week that we all like comfort. Well, I do. I'm not, I like my comfort. I like knowing what's coming. I like establishing a rhythm that fits my preferences with that. Our society prioritizes comfort and control as its highest value, as some of its highest value. It's a sign of success when you are comfortable. It's a sign that you've done well when you have control with that. These are cultural markers that we're all influenced by with that. We are invited, though, to embrace discomfort. In some ways, we're commanded to do it. The command of Jesus to take up a cross and follow him is not a command to go comfortably. You can interpret the cross as meaning many different things, but I can guarantee you it did not indicate comfort. And that's the command that we have. Not to say that it's all going to be discomfort, not to say that it's all going to be that way, but it's an integral part of it with this. <clears throat> and she asked the question, I mean, Laura asked when the teaching team, we said, are we prepared? Because the pervasive church culture that centers personal comfort and convenience and affirmation and self-actualization might be our biggest obstacle to discipleship. And that's a strong statement. But I tend to think she's right with what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people that are willing to sign up when it's exciting and it's new and they see all this stuff they're going to get out. But then as time goes on, as the costs become more apparent, as the new, the new church smell wears off, <laughs> you know, it, it's difficult to stick with it. Well, that's the, the uh, proximity. We have to be in proximity with each other. And there also has to be a mutuality with it. It just can't be the delivering of religious goods and services. I don't know how many of you were here last week when Logan led the service um, and the kids led Jesus Club. Charlie did such a great idea. And Eli and everybody that was there, y'all, it was awesome. It was probably the most Grace Church church service I've ever been to. It was, yes, double thumbs up. We got two thumbs up from Charlie. It was incredible. But I think as, as just as profound as it was, it really symbolized this idea of mutuality is I learned from Charlie. I learned from the kids. I learned from what Logan did in that room and putting those things together. I, if you're looking to me to have it all figured out, I don't. I need you. I need to learn from you with that. And that, that's not limited to advanced degrees and things like that. Everybody here has something to learn. And everybody here has something to teach. So that mutuality is what we need for community. We cannot be who we are meant to be by ourselves. <clears throat> it is so, maybe I'm the only one. I'll, I'll grant you. Maybe I'm the only one who, when I'm left to myself, I can think I'm a pretty decent guy. I can think that I'm patient. 
and humble and smart and giving and all those things. Like I, I can come up with a pretty high estimation of myself when I'm all by myself. Fortunately, I'm married to a woman who, who is constantly engaged in helping me see the reality of myself in very loving ways. But she's brilliant. She's so smart in things that I don't know. She's so wise in things that I don't know. She shows such character in ways that I think that I should, but I don't. And that's true with all of you. It's like I, it helps me understand, not, not think less of myself, but it keeps me from thinking more of myself. It's a healthy thing that leads to flourishing. We need that. Um, one of my favorite theologians also is <clears throat> a woman named Marva Dawn. And she wrote this. And she was talking specifically about reading the Bible with this, but it, it applies in larger ways. She said, we all need to become Southerners to read the Bible correctly. Because to inhabit its world is to speak about our lives as y'all instead of you. And she goes on, and this is true, because when, when I, I can say you as a plural here, or I could say you to Joe. And if you're reading that, you don't necessarily know, unless there are other contextual clues, whether I'm speaking to one person or a lot. And we read the Bible a lot, and we miss the cultural clues. In the Greek, it literally, literally reads, like in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not be thwarting the Spirit, y'all. It's a group thing, but if you read it in most translations, it says you do not thwart the Holy Spirit. It seems singular. James 1-2 is the same things. If you read it in your Bible, it says for you to consider it all joy. But in the Greek, it's y'all consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when y'all fall into diverse testings. She goes on to say, <clears throat> if we would stop thinking of ourselves in individualistic terms and recognize that everything in faith is communal, contingent, and corporate, we would find life and affliction and labor more bearable. Everything in faith is communal, contingent, corporate. So, that's mutuality. Now, for my word that I made up. So, you know how you have seasonings, seasoning, and you have seasons. Well, if you combine those two, Seasonsing. Because what I want to communicate is both things. I want to communicate like how you season food, the things that you add to it, but also the need to go through seasons, spring, winter, summer, fall, together. We need seasonsing in community with this. Um, I was thinking a lot about, um, we're doing some planting in our yards and the difference between a potted plant and a, and a plant that you put in the yard is that potted plant has the perfect environment, right? It, and, and you can bring it inside. You can, in a way, you can protect it from the seasons and you can protect it from the wind and the rain and the, and the things that come with it. And you can have a pretty plant, but you will have to keep doing that for it. If that's how you grow it up, you will have to keep it inside as opposed to one that you plant outside and you allow it to grow, to be seasoned outside. We're called as a church to be planted outside. We're not potted plants. We need to be exposed to the elements. We need to be out there offering shade and sustenance to people. And 
not just looking pretty and manicured inside. And I like that because uh, Betty brought up from uh, Dr. Randy Woodley, who he's, his definition of the kingdom of God is that it is a community of creation. And that seasonsing testifies as our part in creation. We all are in different seasons. Collectively, we're in a season as a church, but individually, we're all in different ones. And we need to have that together. Ross Hastings says the church is a community of Christ's crucified presence and of Christ's risen presence, both. Both the crucified presence and the risen presence. It speaks to different seasons. There are times where we deeply meditate upon the crucified, the crucifixion, what it means. And there are times where we deeply meditate on the resurrection. We're going to talk about this next, next week when we talk about how we interpret the liturgical calendar for this. All this is to say that it takes times. The seasonsing takes times. And it takes all kinds of times. Exciting, fulfilling, empowering, as well as boring, frustrating, and draining. It takes seasons of giving and, and seasons of being given to. It takes celebrating weddings and graduations, births and baptisms, promotions and pregnancies, as well as divorces and deaths, cancer and job cuts, bankruptcy and depression. It takes it all. It takes all these seasonings. Well, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up as we consider these things. And maybe nothing marks this more. As I said, when I thought about why stay, the first thing and maybe the main thing I thought of is community. Yes, philosophically, theologically, all the points I presented today, I understand the necessity of it. But personally, I feel it, y'all. I feel it. In two days, on Tuesday, we will mark 14 years since our youngest daughter, Olivia, was killed. It seems impossible that we survived that day. Like standing here right now saying those words, it seems impossible that we survived that day, much, much less the days and years to come. How we've survived 14 more years worth of days. I scrolled back through my calendar this morning looking at each October 3rd over those past 14 years, trying to remember, what was it? Where was I? What did we do? How did we get through that? I looked at the weeks before and after and all the stuff that makes up our life around that day. Through it all was the constant of this community. You were there. And even if you've just recently come to Grace Church, just recently come to call this church your home, you're now a part of that history. You get ownership of that. You're part of this group. You're part of this community that did that, that is, continues to do that. 
You're part of that community that so fully, sacrificially, and consistently grieved with us, walked with us, and carried us through those darkest days. And if for nothing else, for nothing else, that's why we're here. That's why I stay. It's for y'all and the community. And I hope to be able to give back and reciprocate that in some way. Belonging is an essential element of community. And at Grace, it all starts with this. That's why we start with belong. is because of community. And we practice being part of community that leads to flourishing for all. The more we become formed by it. So thanks for being here. We're going to take communion in just a minute as we worship and reflect on these things. Um, look, I get why they do them, but you know those little individual communion things? Like the plastic topped, with it's got the little cracker inside of the thing. It's like, I get it. I get why they do that. But that 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 defies logic as to what this meal is. It is a communal meal. That's how Jesus served it. It was to a community, to a group with it. That's how we take it. We take it from this common table where no one is at the head and no one is at the foot. And it is Jesus who serves and is being served. We all receive. So if you want it, it's here. Y'all come. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.